Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. Get ready, because today we're going to go a little bit deeper into some language theory, because I think it is so crucial that we take some time to discuss language acquisition and comprehensible input. Living abroad, I am constantly observing and just watching how different people gain language skills take in language, how their brains function and learn. I am so fascinated by this. And this past Christmas at my children's school, they were doing a Holidays Around the World music concert. And so my first grader, her class was singing a song that was in Hebrew. And so she came home so excited and was singing me the song. She knew every word, could sing it as fast as possible. And she was just super excited about the song. And when I asked her, oh, that is awesome. I love that you're singing this in Hebrew. How cool. And we talked about the language. And then I said, well, what, what's the song about? And she had no idea, not a clue. <laughs> and so it just made me kind of chuckle and think, how often are we seeing that our students are outputting language? And we're saying, oh, this is awesome. Look at, they can say it and they can say it fluently and they're singing it so fast. But then we look at the underlying if they know what they're talking about, if they know that if they're comprehending their language. And sometimes it's like my daughter was no idea what it's about. (laughs) So let's take a look at that language acquisition, the comprehensible input process so that we can really take a deep dive into checking in, observing, and seeing if our students are going deeper and really comprehending what they're saying, not just being able to remember and memorize And so that they're showing that they have output, but really we want to make sure that they're understanding what they're saying. 
language acquisition and comprehensible input absolutely align with Stephen Krashen. You have to know who Stephen Krashen is to know what these two terms mean. I am a huge Stephen Krashen fan. He has gotten some pushback on the simplicity of what he believes, but guess what? Over the years, what I've seen is that we complicate language learning way too much, and it really can be a simple process that over time develops into depth. His whole theory is that language acquisition is learned in through an immersive environment. There is a difference between language acquisition and language learning. And I'm going to let him share what this means because I think he puts it so perfectly. So I'm going to read this quick quote by Stephen Krashen. And he says, language acquisition does not require extensive use of conscious grammatical rules and does not require tedious drill. Acquisition requires meaningful interaction in the target language, natural communication in which speakers are concerned not with the form of their utterances, but with the messages they are conveying and understanding. Comprehensible input is the crucial and necessary ingredient for the acquisition of language. The best methods are therefore those that supply comprehensible input in low anxiety situations containing messages that students really want to hear. These methods do not force early production in the second language, but allow students to produce when they are ready, recognizing that improvement comes from supplying communicative and comprehensible input and not from forcing and correcting production. And this is what I love. In the real world, conversations with sympathetic native speakers who are willing to help the acquire understand are very helpful. So this is what we're going to hit on today because we need to have a shift of how we are teaching students language. This has been my experience. If you took classes in the U.S., you know, a foreign language class, your experience was probably more on language learning over language acquisition. And so let's start there by defining that because as I read this, it is bringing up a lot of feelings that I had of why did I take 10 years of Spanish to then move abroad and not be able to speak it? Is it all the classroom's fault? No, there's my own responsibility in that, my own desire and not wanting to learn. But the reality is how much of my time learning the second language was spent on grammar rules, conjugating verbs, drills, more drills, more drills, <laughs> and less on speaking in a natural way where you're going to naturally learn, oh, grammatically, that's not correct. Even when I think about in English, you know, how often do we just know something is correct because we're used to hearing it correctly? Over the rule, for example, how do we know when to use a over an? Many of us don't know that rule until we realize, oh, you use it this way because the noun afterwards either starts with a vowel or doesn't start with a vowel. But growing up, we really wouldn't be able to define that if English is our first language. The same with Spanish. I remember asking somebody who's a native Spanish speaker and asking her, when do you use por and when do you use para? Because I was memorizing, okay, I use por in these five situations and I use para for these and I'm always getting these confused. And she couldn't tell me the difference. She goes, you just know, you know when to use por and you know when to use para. And that's the beauty of language acquisition. When it's so naturally embedded, 
that they are learning those grammatical skills naturally because they're, they're tuning their ear to hearing what's right. They're in conversation constantly that they see, oh, that's not right. Oh, this is right. And that's what's really important for our students that we are really focusing on language acquisition, that we're immersing them in the language in natural ways, in ways that they are not feeling anxious about learning, but they are super engaged and excited about learning. And then the grammar comes and then the correct way of pronouncing things comes, but that we don't start there. And that's where we need to really flip and see and take a look at how we're teaching our students. Because if we're starting there and we're trying to drill home how to correctly use these grammar skills, we are going to lose them and they're not going to be engaged and they're going to feel really stressed about learning. So let's begin with really understanding the difference between language learning and language acquisition. Things that you're going to see if you're learning a language, it's explicit, it's conscious, it's in a formal teaching situation. It's dependent on attitude, you know, how motivated you are, how dedicated you are. It's a lot of planned work by the teacher, mostly artificial, maybe linear progression. This is really, when I read this, this brings me right back to my experience of learning a foreign language. I don't know if that was your situation or not. Now think of those who went and studied abroad and they learned a foreign language through that experience. That is acquiring a language. It's implicit. It's subconscious. It's informal. It's in natural situations. If you go and live abroad, study abroad, you're forced to really engage with the language in natural situations. Most of the time, it's non-institutionalized. If you're going to study abroad, you have that desire to pick up the language. You're going to put yourself out there. You're going to take those risks because you want to learn the language. It's non-linear in progression. You kind of go from simple to complex. So you're going to start picking up things as you engage in daily life and you're going to build on those skills. This is really powerful. And so let's look at our classrooms today. What would you say? Are your students learning a language or are they acquiring a language? Now, a lot of us would probably say, yes, they're learning a language and it's okay to have a mixture of both. There are going to be times because we're teaching them in a classroom setting, because we have specific goals of where we want them to go, we're going to have planned lessons that are going to help them get there. But we don't want to remove the language acquisition part. We don't want to remove the, the part where we're focusing on natural situations where they are learning the language of providing these situations. This is why I think play-based learning is so powerful because there's a natural way that students are engaging with one another, that they're talking with each other, they're planning out what they're going to do, they're problem solving. All of those skills are how you naturally develop a language when you have to communicate that way. For older students doing problem-based learning or project-based learning, inquiry-based learning, those types of things where you're creating an atmosphere, an environment where you might give some prompts, you might give some provocations, but then you're allowing opportunities for your students to engage with one another in a natural environment where they're working and learning the language. They're hearing it from native peers they're applying it, they're practicing it themselves, they're pushing themselves to expand on sentences. That's language acquisition. And that's what we need to make sure we're bringing into our classrooms so that we're not just focused on learning a language by rote learning, by drills, by really kind of, I guess the, the overall thing is by 
where is our focus? Is it on creating learners who are going to be able to communicate clearly, who are well-balanced, who are excited and confident about learning? Or is our focus solely on academics that we need them to really know how to pronounce things perfectly, that they know the grammar, that they know how to write a sentence right away, all those things? Where, Where are we placing our focus? Because in my teaching experience, when you create an environment where language acquisition is happening, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to do some mini lessons and to teach them those skills that you want them to learn. I'm not saying to throw those out the window. I'm saying in that environment, you can do a lot of observations to see then how can you help them expand their vocabulary? How can you push them to write that sentence? How can you help them to be using past tense verbs correctly? There is a time and a place for that. But if that's our main focus, the students are going to be disengaged. They're going to feel like they're not getting it. And their attitude is not going to be there to want to learn. But if they're engaged, if they're really motivated by what they're doing in the classroom, they're going to soar. We have to start there and really take a look at what do our classrooms look like? Is it language acquisition learning happening with then mixing in that learning a language or is the main focus on learning a language and then you're just expecting them to acquire the language at the same time? It's important to stop there and and really observe your classroom and see what kind of classroom you're creating first. So now let's take a look at another term coined by Krashen called comprehensible input. Language input that can be understood by listeners despite them not understanding all the words and structures in it. Okay, so let's let's go back a little bit and let's take a look at how the learning language learning process happens. So if you think about when you learn a new language, whether you're, you know, if you watch a baby learn a new language or you yourself are learning a new language, there's a process of which it happens. So we begin first by really honing in and listening. Okay. We soon begin to see different sounds, how those sounds make words. There's a repetition. People can repeat the words. They start to understand what this one word means. And so that builds on itself. So now you have students, you know, they're building their vocabulary and let's look at newcomers and say, okay, maybe they're starting to begin to build their classroom vocabulary. So you might say a sentence and maybe they're able to hear and pick out the word notebook or pencil or teacher or backpack, those words that you've covered, but maybe the rest of the sentence, they don't even know where one word starts and one word begins. So this is the process of how they're beginning to hear what you're saying, interpret it and understand it. And this is why comprehensible input is really crucial in the classroom because you could go the whole day And if you're not conscious of how you're speaking, they're missing out on so many opportunities for language acquisition. Just think about that. Our students are in the classrooms for six to eight hours a day. Most of the day is spent in English. If we take the time to really analyze how we're delivering content to make it comprehensible for them, we could really give our students opportunities to hone in on listening, understanding, and develop their speaking skills. So we're first focusing on input. The input domains are listening and reading. Output 
is speaking and writing. There is no output of speaking and writing if there is no input of reading and listening. And you'll hear me say this over and over again, and I'm going to continue to say this, but we have to begin with listening and we have to really focus in on strengthening the listening of our students. Because if that student now goes from you're saying a sentence and they're able to pull out one word that's familiar to them, they're able to hear that one word and understand it. Well, now we want them to be able to understand the whole sentence. And comprehensible input, Krashen's model is really input plus one. That means the majority of the words you're using is at their level plus one. And then you're adding in a few words that are a little bit above their level. So let's walk through what this would look like, because this is really important so that our classrooms, there is so much language learning happening because they're understanding what is happening. And I get it. This is really hard to do, especially if you're working with mixed groups. It's very hard to not just go at full speed, keep talking. I think we have to look at ourselves. If we're native English speakers, what is the speed that we're speaking? A great place to begin is to just slow down. Slow down the rate at which you speak. If you're teaching mixed groups, slow down. You can say your sentences how you would in English, but being very aware of the words you're using. I was just recently having a chat with a friend of mine. She's an ELL. And I realized how many idioms I was using. And I came away from the conversation thinking, wow, I probably confused her a lot because I was using these just very commonly in day-to-day conversation. But I could see as somebody who's learning that language, this is probably very confusing for her. And she probably missed some of what I was saying. So we need to be aware. Are we using idioms? Are we speaking very quickly? Are we pronunciating our words? Because we want them to be able to pick apart each word and hear each word in a sentence. If you've listened to news in another language, you know what it feels like for our students when you listen and you go, I have no idea where one sentence started, one sentence ended, one word that was in there because they were speaking so fast. Well, that's how a lot of our students feel when we're talking. So we want to be very conscious of the way that we're delivering content. Slow down. If you're working with mixed groups, you can speak at the level of the majority of your students, and then you can either go higher. If you have some higher students, maybe add in some more complex grammar or some more complex vocabulary. And then if you have newcomers in that group, then rephrase the sentence using gestures, using visuals, using simpler grammar. Repeat phrases. So like I said, if you have that newcomer who, okay, she was able to point out the word pencil Maybe go right up to that student and say, I need a pencil, or do you have a pencil? When you say it that way, they're able to now start to decipher the words that you're using. Now they're going to be able to see those words used in different contexts. They're going to be able to start to build those phrases, gain that understanding. Next time when you say, do you have a pencil? You might be able to say it faster and they might be able to say, yes, I have a pencil. But we need to start and slow down so that we're checking in that the comprehension, the comprehensible input that they're receiving is at their level plus one. So with those new newcomers, you're going to be working on very simple sentences. But as you're going to see, as you go over those constantly, if you constantly say, I have a piece of paper, 
Okay, they might not get what piece of paper is, but as you say, I have, do you have? And you use those types of verbs, they're going to begin to catch on. You're not explicitly teaching verbs, you're using them in context in the classroom. So that's the first place to start. Slow down, rephrase, simplify sentences. Some other ways that you can make sure you are doing your best to provide comprehensible input in the classroom is to ask questions. Ask questions are a great way to check in on comprehension. Like I was saying with my daughter, she knew all these words. She could sing this whole song in Hebrew, but she had no idea what it's about. So we don't want that to happen to our students. So as you're speaking, ask for quick checks. Are you understanding? Now that question, usually we'll get the response, yes. So don't ask that question. (laughs) You might want to say, what was one word I just said that you understood? Something that is very open-ended so that they're responding and not just saying yes or no. Now, something else that you can do that's so important, especially if you're working with mixed groups, is to shelter vocabulary. When our students are not understanding what is being taught, it creates atmospheres where they're stressed, where they either just zone out and disengage. Let me tell you, as someone who has learned a second language, if I am in a conversation or if I am you know, at church and listening in Spanish or I'm watching something in Spanish and I start to lose understanding, it's very hard to come back. It's very hard to not just give up and disengage. Is that happening to your students because of the way that you are communicating? This is why checking in and doing these types of activities is really important to be aware and to get them back on track before they disengage, before you lose them. Shelter vocabulary. So what does shelter vocabulary mean? It means you are not going to be using a whole bunch of new words constantly. You want to be really conscious of the words you're using. Keep using words that you've already taught, that you've already established. You are, you know that your students are understanding these words. Then use words that maybe like using cognates. That's a great place because they're very obvious to your students what that word is. They're not using a lot of brain work to figure out what is this word? You know that if, especially if they're Spanish speaking, there's a lot of cognates. So finding those cognates, add in those cognates. And then you're going to add just a little bit of new words. And when you add in those new words, you're going to front load them. You're going to use a visual. You're going to really help them move those new words to then words that they're very familiar with. And this process is going to happen no matter what language level your students are at, because they're going to consistently be building that vocabulary word bank. But the problem is especially in that homeroom classroom, if the teacher is you know, teaching a fifth grade content lesson at the level of fifth graders, then your language learners are going to get lost in all of the vocabulary that's coming at them that they are not understanding. So how can we simplify it? That's not dumbing it down. That's not watering it down. It's making the content available for our students to be able to comprehend. Because as you do this, This is going to help your students really advance in their language comprehension. When they have a strong listening comprehension, all other domains are much easier. 
Because if you think about it, if I am able to listen to a story in Spanish and as I'm listening, I can pick out the words, I can picture the words in my head, I'm understanding what the story is about. Well, guess what? When I go to speak, oh, I remember, I, I've heard how to pronounce this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce it like I heard in the story. And then I'm going to go read something and hearing the words first is going to help me to be able to read better. And then I'm going to write something and sounding out is going to be easier because I already have been listening to the words. I've been hearing how they sound. I've been able to see when a sentence begins and a sentence ends. I'm hearing all of that. It all begins with listening comprehension. So teachers, do your job to really take a look at how you're delivering your content so that your students aren't getting lost. Now, let's go back to where we began with Krashen's theory of language acquisition and really kind of flipping it and it not being about focusing solely on grammar, but really creating an immersive environment to learn language. If you are really focused on creating lessons where your students are understanding the majority of what you are teaching, you are going to be able to provide many opportunities to discuss specific grammar skills. Because you're going to see it happening when your students are conversing with one another and you're using that time to walk around, to observe, to check in, you're going to be able to pull out specific grammar skills that you see that they need to work on. That is powerful to do it that way because now they're learning in context. There's application to it. They're they're having a visual moment where, okay, when I was talking about this, I kept using, I kept saying, I go instead of I went when I was sharing about my weekend and they're going to now be able to continue to, to put themselves in that situation and say, Oh yeah. Okay. When I'm talking about the past, I need to use, I went, that is much better to learn that way over a worksheet that says, okay, when would you use this situation? Now, after you've spent a lot of time talking about it, is a worksheet about it appropriate? Of course, but we need to flip it and not start with the grammar and not start with focusing only on those academic skills, but really, like I've said, creating that environment where our students are engaged, they're excited about learning, and that is where learning will happen. I know this can feel like a lot. I know that this feels like a big step, not a small step like we've been talking about, but break it down. Maybe this week alone, you go and you just observe how you're communicating with your different groups. Because remember, you want to be consistent with the group, with the language level that your students are at, and then just adding in plus one, adding in a little bit more. So you always want to push them a little bit. So if you're working with newcomers, observe, are you using a lot of words that they have no idea? Recently, I've been tutoring at my daughter's school and working with a newcomer and then another student who is probably around a level two or three. And It is really hard to not just go back into one, speaking to them in Spanish so that they understand. And instead of them getting used to that, where I'll just fall back and explain to them everything in Spanish, because that's not really what they need either. What they really need is for me to be patient, to slow down, to plan out a little ahead of time of how I'm going to share this content with them so that I have visuals ready to use to explain so that I have maybe props or something like that, that they can help to understand what I want them to do and what I'm teaching over just explaining it to them in Spanish or 
explaining it where then they don't understand in English and they come away really not gaining much during that lesson. So I get that that is a struggle. I'm, I'm, I've been there. I'm, I, I get that it is really hard. But this week, my challenge for you is to just take a look at your lessons, at how you're delivering content and critique yourself. Ask yourself, am I, am I talking too fast? If you feel really comfortable, videotape yourself and watch yourself. There's a lot of (laughs) things that I discovered about my teaching when I would videotape myself that I wasn't aware of. So just take a real good look at how you're delivering content and see a few, even one way in the next week, you're going to try to make input more comprehensible. All right, just a quick overview. This week, your challenge is to focus on creating environments where language acquisition is happening. You're lowering the affective filter by creating environments where your students feel safe and ready to learn a language. And you're really focusing on how you're delivering that content so that your students are understanding at their language level and really growing in their language comprehension. I know this is not easy, but I believe in you and I know that you can do it. Remember, take small steps and you will start to see your students soar. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.